It is Monday, February 26. I'm joined by Noah Rubin, as always, and a special guest. Although if you're watching on Twitter, you know who it is because he's in the title. This is Fantasy Basketball International. This is Balls Deep. I'm the type to get shit done. You're the type to observe. March Madness on my speakers, but today's November 23rd. Got something loud in the blunt, yeah. I don't say what I want, yeah. Probably somewhere sunny and tan. Foreign women in the sun, yeah. That's all that I need. Welcome to the Balls Deep podcast, part of the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Uh, as I said, it is Monday, February 26, week 18 of Fantasy. Well, depends on how your matchups are scheduled, whether you had a split week or a double week. or Anyway, it's week 18 in my leagues, so I'm saying it's week 18. I'm joined by Noah, and I'm joined by Dan Titus, who uh, who is not impressed, obviously, with the Trey news. Uh, <laughs> I can sympathise in uh, in all three of my leagues that I'm going to make the playoffs in. I have Trey Young, so uh, yeah, Brutal. it's going to be it's going to be a rough playoffs. I think I could exit pretty early when you lose almost thirty points and ten assists per game. Um, Pretty hard to find that off the waiver wire. Uh, I did manage to grab Andrew Nembhard in a league. There you go. That's how desperate I'm I'm getting for assists. Uh, Noah, start with you. Thanks for joining me, uh, as always. A uh, little bit to talk about, but um, how's your week been? Man, it's been uh, good. I mean, I guess just starting with the weekend was good too. So aside from the trade news, which obviously sucks for fantasy basketball, um, also kind of sucks as a Hawks fan. I don't know, it kind of forces the team to actually make a decision and choose a direction as opposed to just sticking in the middle. So, um, but yeah, from a fantasy perspective, one of the leagues I'm already in the playoffs, I have Trey. So I had like the first round by. So it hasn't affected me yet, but I have Trey and Embiid in that league. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, and Dan, you you have Trey in, in leagues or are you just sad in general? Sad in general, I do have him in a couple spots, but I have so much. I went pretty guard heavy in most of my leagues, so uh, the trade injury is not going to cripple me. But it's definitely it definitely hurts to lose twenty and ten, man. Um, but I am excited for what it it means for the rest of the supporting cast. Like I think we'll see Jalen Johnson be better um, already than he's already been, and um, I don't know Dejounte Murray is going to be really good. I don't have him in any spots, but if you have him, man, like that's like league winning upside right there. Like he almost had a triple double his first game without Trey, so you got to be feeling mm. pretty good if you have him on your roster too. Yeah, and, and in one of those leagues, I do have Bogdan Bogdanovich as well, so he'll, he'll obviously start and, and get a bit of a bump. So um, yeah, it, it's it's rough, but um, as Noah said, yeah, the Hawks. I feel like they're just going to continue on there path that they're going to push i think to try and get into the plane um i don't know though maybe they don't i just feel the hawks they don't feel like a tanking team to me yeah, yeah. right now they're they're 10th in the eastern conference mm-hmm. so like they got i think four four and a half games ahead of the brooklyn nets i feel like the nets are in a way worse situation <laughs> than the hawks right now so yeah. i don't know they might be a playing team just by default but whether they make the playoffs after that that's that's going to be the question They've never lost a play-in game, so I mean, we're I bring that up is like a it's like three and zero or four and zero in the play-in tournament. So and I Trey could and be back by then at least, right? Like he's got yeah. four weeks, so that that should be enough yeah. time. 
Yeah, that's the reevaluation. So he might be back just for the end of the regular season. And if they're in the play in, then I'm sure he'll play. But I'm excited also for the Kobe Buffkin minutes. Probably won't affect many 12 team leagues, but especially in dynasty formats. It's, oh, yeah. Just seeing him on the floor is really great because he's already like one of their best defenders, which I don't know, says a lot about both how bad they are defensively and how good he is for a rookie. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think he did he play what 11 minutes yesterday, something like that? Was that roughly? Uh, it may have. I think it was like 11 minutes. Like that. that sounds right. Yeah. No more than 12. Yeah. I'm trying to pull it up um, the exact number. I think I think it was, I did look. Um, I'm not adding, okay. I haven't added him anywhere because I'm not in any leagues that are deep enough. But um, yeah, 11. Yeah. Be curious to see if they actually give him minutes over Patty Mills. And as much as I love Patty Mills. <laughs> He's not the future of the Atlanta Hawks. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Now, quickly, we will get into news. We'll get into the schedule. Industry pickup. I just want to talk about our industry pickup league. Oh, very let's quickly. not. Um, let's just pass over that. <laughs> I want to – well, no. I mean, you, you, you've been much better the last, like, month, six weeks. Dan, so. I told you, I told you weeks ago, I was not going to finish last. So, like, I'm, I'm keeping yep. my word on that. <laughs> there you go. I, I think I'm in tenth now, tenth out of twelve. So, yeah, I'm gonna see yeah. if I can creep up on the ninth spot. I think it's Mike Barner. Mm-hmm. He's got me by like maybe three or four games. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go out strong. But we'll see what happens. At least my team is healthy for a change. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, and I mean, for anyone that that doesn't know, the industry pickup is a an industry league. There's obviously the three of us as well as nine other analysts and. There's a website, and Mitch Casey and I usually do a weekly show, but he was tied up with work yesterday, so we, we didn't get to do one. But we're into the last week um, of the regular season in that league. Mm. I leapfrogged lower, Noah this week. Ooh, um, ooh, in the ooh, hi. We're tied. <laughs> it just has you, your name first. <laughs> you play uh, – you're against B-Dub this week, yeah. I believe. Um, yeah. And I am against uh, Alex Barutha. So oh, you're you're looking good, Kingy. I am, but I'm I'm three wins, two and a half games, I believe, two and a half games behind B Dub. So Noah, I need you to win six three, and if you win six three and I can win six three, I might get into sixth spot. Um, you know how mad I'd be if thing, I win Noah. six three, and then you just like are tied with me. And just get the tiebreaker. And it's, if yeah. it's alphabetical, I'm going to get even more upset. Because if, if that's think, the reason well, ahead of me right now. I don't know what the tiebreaker is in this league. <laughs> I'll but, change my team um, name so fast. Yeah. Oh, look, it's – I'm not expecting I, – I, yeah, look, if you, if you can beat him, that would be fantastic. Um, if I'll do beat my up best. does watch this, I'm not – I don't care. <laughs> I beat him last week. Um, you actually suffered a pretty handy defeat last week yeah i was down eight one the whole time and then it finally last two days got it to seven two but really not having Embiid, not having jimmy butler having him come back and then get like ejected early um yeah it's it's uh i'm just trying to cling on to any little bit of a win i can so yeah well focus hard stream hard (laughs) um and really push yeah i'm i'm not confident but uh anyway here we are. Goodness, yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, so some injury news. Uh, Trey Young, we've already talked about him. Um, something that probably doesn't need a lot of discussion, but Ben Simmons injured again. Um, now, word is that it's not serious. 
but they also said that his back injury earlier in the season wasn't serious and he missed three months. So I don't know. We, I don't really have any faith in what the Nets are saying, but if, I don't know, can, can we trust Ben Simmons the rest of the season? Because, I, I mean, I don't have him anywhere and I was relatively high on him this season, but I, at this point I just, I can't have him on my fantasy team. No. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't add him anywhere. I don't plan to. I. I really do genuinely hope that he is able to be healthy. Like rooting for him, but yeah, no. When it comes to actually making the decision of adding him and dropping somebody else, like I wasn't yeah. able to do it. It just wasn't worth it. I mean, we've we've seen this movie before, and as much as we want him to be healthy and play great, like he, when he's on the court, he's good, but he just can't stay healthy. And um, I did an article on post all-star predictions and I said that he would last no more than five games with Kevin <laughs> as, as the head coach. And to last one, I, that, that exceeded my expectations. Man. Yeah. He would at least get a few games. <laughs> you were too ambitious there. <laughs> you know, like, damn, we can't even get one game, bro. But I'm also curious, like what's going on there? Because like some, some reports came out that Macau Bridges and um, mm-hmm. I forget who else was. And I remember Mikael Bridges being mentioned. It was like Dinwiddie. It was Dinwiddie. Right, right. It was Dinwiddie. They weren't happy with the system running through Ben Simmons or him playing point guard. So, I don't know. Could be an injury, but, like, long term, I'm like, I don't think that you can trust Ben going forward even with this new regime. Like, I don't, I just don't feel like he's a locker room guy at this point, right? Yeah, I don't think so. It's probably something that's that's been hanging over his head since – Philly, since you left Philly, yeah. um, just how does he fit? How do you do? How do you build a team around him? Because he's not a in today's game where you need to be able to hit threes. He's the opposite. Or just shoot a mid range. So, just keep the defense honest a couple times, man. Yeah, at least be a threat. I mean, at this yeah. point, you, they're just not defending him outside of what four feet, five feet. So, yeah, it, it is tough to build around him. So, I do hope that he can turn things around and and that's probably not in Brooklyn. Um, but who's going to trade for him, I suppose, or who's going to, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a really tricky situation. Um, so we will see, but in terms of fantasy, yeah, look, I'd, I'd be, if you are holding him, I mean, if you, if you're very deep, very deep league, you could hold him, but otherwise I'm comfortable with moving on um, from him. Uh now, more, I mean, this is sort of injury news, but it's sort of not. Tari Eason, who's been out, I want to say, since beginning of the year. Is that about right? I think he was sort of out early early January was when he last played. Um, and I read something yesterday saying that he is seeking other opinions, second opinions, medical opinions, which to me doesn't sound good. This this sounds like it's potentially season over for Tari Eason which we had sort of suspected this could be um, a path that they choose. But, I mean, any news that you guys have heard, any thoughts on on what we can do with Tari Eason? Are we, are we just assuming he's done? Yeah, I'd, I'd drop him. I probably wouldn't pick him up at this point. Um, you could actually probably get Cam Whitmore in a lot of spots. Like, he's still under 20% rostered in Yahoo leagues. And to be honest, like, I'm looking at where the Houston Rockets are going. They're 12th in the Western Conference. They're probably not going to make the playing tournament. Why not give their young their young guys some run? So I feel like Tar, um, Tari Easton's probably, given the fact that you have to get a third and a fourth opinion on your knee situation, like that can't, you're not coming back anytime soon. So yeah, just just go grab Cam Whitmore while you can because I think he's going to get a lot of run towards the end of the season, especially if 
the Rockets aren't in contention anymore. Yeah, I'm entirely agreed on that. As much fun as it would be to see Tari Eason back out there, I just it doesn't seem like they're going to truly be in contention for the play-in spot with just how competitive the West is. Like I honestly thought they'd have a chance to make it, but yeah. and they it seemed like early on that they would be fighting for it. But I mean, everybody like the, I think nine and ten right now is the Lakers and Warriors. Like it's just so competitive mm. in the West. So yeah, I mean, there's no reason for them to risk further injury wouldn't be shocking if we didn't see him again until next season but yeah kim whitmore should be able to see a ton of minutes on the stretch which should be a lot of fun i think the last player not that i'm saying that we're going to go this path but the last player that got a or was seeking additional opinions on a knee injury was lonzo ball and uh Jeez. yeah we we know how that ended um Pray it's not something like that, a situation where they just can't get this right. But, um, yeah, when a player is going outside the team's medical staff and looking for other opinions, it's not a a good sign for me. Um, Chris Paul. uh, So I woke up uh, not that long ago, honestly, um, (laughs) to see that Chris Paul is available for tomorrow's game. Yes, tomorrow's game. I guess, first of all, are we adding him? How much is he going to play? And how does this impact guys like, well, I suppose Brandon Pajemski is the main one, but Clay Thompson to some degree as well? Um, like, what are we seeing as the flow-on effect here in Golden State? Um, Dan, what do you think? Um, so I think from the from what I read of Steve Kerr and, and his comments, it sounds like he's going to be integrated right away, um, play a lot of the non-Steph minutes, so... Now that Clay's coming off the bench, I feel like Chris Paul and and Clay Thompson should actually form like a pretty good second unit as they make that that playoff push or the playing tournament push. Um, I would expect like 20, 22, 25 minutes early on. And I don't know that we're going to see him in the closing lineup quite yet, but I think there's going to be points where it makes sense. Um, at this point, I'd only be relying on Chris Paul for assists and steals and, and efficiency. And even that might be a little questionable sometimes. Um, he's just not the score that he was before. So I'm, I'm okay with rostering him. Like he should definitely be, I think rostered in most leagues, definitely 12 teams. I'd probably say 10 teams as well, but I could see the argument if you want him as like a fringe guy in 10 team leagues. But yeah, I think if Chris Paul's healthy, you got to roll with him. Yeah. I think that, I mean, the guards that have been getting minutes off the bench outside of Clay Thompson are Gary Payton, the second and Weston Quinones. So I mean, it hasn't even been Moses Moody really seeing much, uh, at least in their last game. So I don't think they'll have any issue cutting into some of their minutes to get Chris Paul to about 20 minutes per game. But this is funny. I uh, When I got on to start news this morning, I had seen the last blurb was about Chris Paul, and it was about him facing his former team, and I didn't even realize they were playing the Wizards. And Zach just, man, he, he ate that up. It's talking about how uh, NBA fans are surely licking their chops in anticipation of a revenge game. And I'm like – the funny guy yeah so revenge game here because he was on their team from june 19th to, to july 7th after the jordan pool <laughs> maybe that, hey maybe jordan pool can keep up his uh his resurgence here i would like to see him actually go off against his former team he's played the well the last two up. games we'll see how long it, it holds yeah. but he has yeah the, the move to the bench is, has been great if you've got jordan pool on a on a roster um so i, I guess they're going to stick with it given that yeah, he's actually been playing well. So, uh, yeah, look, I think Chris Paul, along with you guys, I think he's rosterable. Um, if you do have Trey Young and you need assists, 
there's a potential answer. He's not going to get you 10 or 11. Um, he just won't play enough. But he could get you six, seven, maybe eight in, in 20, 22, 24 minutes, something like that. So um, do we think that Pajemski is, a, is going to be impacted to the point where he's a drop in standard leagues? Or, I mean, he's going to – I think he'll continue to start. Uh, Chris Paul will come off the bench. But that, does this in, impact Pajemski at all? I don't think he's a must hold, but like I'm holding him where I have him just because I need his rebounding and his assist for the position. But he hasn't really been efficient this year. So like he doesn't actually project as a good fantasy player in terms of like ranking, mm. but like he does all the little things that you like. Um, and especially where, where the Warriors are and in, in contention, like I feel like he's still going to play a lot of minutes and he's really helped this team. Like he does like, you know, he's leads the league in charges like that type of stuff will keep him on the floor. So I feel like by by way of his effort and just opportunity of getting those minutes, like I feel like he's still going to be a guy to hold at least for the foreseeable future. Now, if Chris Paul comes in and he starts taking his minutes, then you can drop him. But I think you got to wait and see on it. He's been he's been good enough, I think, to be rostered in twelve teams. Yeah, he was pretty bad in their last game, but before that, he had been actually getting or getting pretty good value with his threes too, and had scored in double figures in six straight. But mostly, it is the rebounds right. and assists, but. It is, I don't know, I think it's something that I'll just wait and see how that looks with everybody there because it seems like his minutes were pretty solid or like a few minutes over 30 when Clay Thompson was playing bad. And then when Clay Thompson was playing good, they just kind of rolled with him more. So I'm, I think it's that dynamic that's more going to impact his minutes. But yeah, unless he starts and playing around 25 minutes per game, I'm, I'm going to hold him for a little bit. So a couple of questions in here. Happy to always get to questions. Um, Metalhead, who's, who's always hanging around watching, how do we make or what do we make of Daniel Gafford rest of season with Lively? I think initially we thought Gafford was probably the preferred hold um, just because of his per minute upside. Lively has been starting... Uh, I don't know. What do we? I don't have either of these guys, so I'm not invested on a personal level. But are we holding both? Are we leaning one over the other? Are we just given that this minute split? Because I mean, I guess for me, we initially thought, okay, they they could go 28, 20, or 24, 24. But I was thinking about it driving home from somewhere and listening to a show. They were talking about it. The fact that neither guy can spread the floor does mean that there are going to be situations where they play Maxi Kleber at centre for, for five minutes or eight minutes, which isn't a lot, but it, it takes – because neither of these guys can play the four, really. So they're pure fives who don't spread the floor. So is the upside there for both of them to be rosterable or, or are we just going to have to pick one or, or pick none and move on? I might actually lean – I don't want to say definitely drop if you have them, but looking at it, like, neither of them have played 20 minutes. Like, their last two games, both of them have seen less than 20 minutes. So that's not necessarily very encouraging because if they are playing Kleba at center, just to have spacing, like, I don't know. It's not To me, it's, it's kind of scary to think about playing a, a traditional center that's only playing 14 – 15 minutes anywhere up to like 19 like over the last two games and it is a small sample size so maybe things change but unless they're just coming in and immediately dominating the glass or just swatting a few shots like pretty quickly like 
it really limits their value. Mm. So yeah, I'm not like if either, I mean, I don't know exactly how heavily they're rostered, but if they're sitting on your waiver wire, I'm not like super excited to go add either of them right now. Yeah. I think it's a good point, Noah, because I think, you know, initially as, as Kingy pointed out, it was like Gafford had the early edge because lively was hurt mm-hmm. initially when the trade happened. So it was like, Oh, Gafford had these two monster games or three monster games. Like, mm-hmm. of course he's going to run away with the job. When in reality, I think it's more of just a timeshare that honestly, these guys are just going to cannibalize each other for the rest of the season. And then you add in Maxi Kleba for those, you know, small ball stretch, you know, uh, five out type of lineups. It kind of limits everyone's upside here. And unless you need blocks on the waivers or, you know, six or seven rebounds because these guys aren't going to play a lot of minutes. I think you could probably look elsewhere at this point. I have lively in a couple spots, but I'm only holding on to him for the defense and the rebounds and the field goal percentage. But I won't be surprised when I drop them. Like <laughs> if someone gets hurt and I got to pick up somebody else, something's got to give. So like, I don't, I don't think either of them are must roster at this point. Yeah, agreed. If I, if I saw them on a waiver wire, I wouldn't be sort of falling over myself to go and grab them. So I think to me that personally, that just says that, I'd be okay with dropping them if you, if you need to. If you need someone that's just got a, a clearer path to minutes. Obviously, if we had if one of them got injured, if if Gafford right. went down with an ankle injury, lively probably becomes must roster and, and vice versa. But we're not there yet. Um, Jonathan Isaac tweaked his knee yesterday, and I think I read this this morning that there's no significant damage mm-hmm. to that knee. He's been uh, listed as questionable. For their next game, is he really questionable? Or uh, given his injury history, are we thinking that they will just be cautious here and and probably sit him out for a game or two, or or will they try to make him push through? I mean, obviously, you, as an NBA player, you need to be able to play through minor injuries from time to time. Are they are they going to do that with Isaac, or or, or is he just someone that they they only play when he's one hundred percent healthy? I mean, I, I haven't picked him up anywhere. Um, I just I just can't trust him. I mean, I, I like where Orlando's going. You know, they're right in the thick of the playoff hunt. They could easily, if they go on a run, get into like somewhere in that five, six range, which is pretty crazy to, to think, you know, just given how much they progress over the course of one year. Um, and Jonathan Isaac's a pretty a, is an important piece to that. But like from a fantasy standpoint, like I just I don't like his minutes. Um the injury history is always a question mark for me. So like the fact that he's named quest, he's been deemed questionable. That, that doesn't get me excited about what's to come, especially if the dude's getting MRIs and imaging after the game and stuff like that. So like, just like Ben Simmons, like I would have the same heartburn for Jonathan Isaac. Like if he's on waivers, like I'm not picking him up because I know it's just going to disappoint at some point. Yeah. I think the questionable tag is certainly encouraging in the sense that it's not, Oh, he hurt his knee. Oh, it's another mm-hmm. year absence. So, like, I don't think he's going to be out super long, but I'd be very, very surprised if he played, I think it's on Tuesday, yeah, against the Nets. So I think this, the fact that it's questionable, he probably only misses one to two, maybe three games, and then he's good. But still having his minutes managed, still, like, missing games here and there. So I think questionable is very encouraging for his, for how, available he will be the rest of the season but yeah i don't expect him to play on tuesday now there is another interesting question in there which i'll get to but i just thought we'll talk about a couple more injury uh situations markel fultz 
who I've been arguably the highest on this season and I've held him <laughs> as long as humanly possible, but I've dropped him. I, I, I dropped him in one league. I attempted to drop him in industry pickup, but apparently the waiver wire didn't even want him. So um, <laughs> I didn't didn't end up dropping him. He We came back from the All-Star break. He missed a couple of games. He played yesterday, but only played, I don't know, I think it was like 11 minutes or something. Yeah, it was it like 11 much. minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm at the point now where I, I was trying to to get hold and, and tell people to hold, but I, I'm okay with just moving on now. Um, but, I, I, I mean, are we concerned about this injury? Because it's something that's just been lingering the whole season and – he came back and he, but he's never, he hasn't looked healthy. His shot has looked bad. He hasn't had his confidence. Meanwhile, Orlando are obviously playing really well. Um, even without him, they were playing well. I guess thinking long term here, next season beyond, are the Magic going to move on from him or try and move on from him? Because I think, I mean, 12 months ago, I would have said that he's probably a key piece of what they're trying to do. But now I'm not so sure. I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't have a different starting point guard next season. I just think that they need more spacing around what they already have there and having Fultz as the point guard just doesn't work all that well. Uh, His strengths just don't really line up with what the rest of the team kind of needs him to be. So, and it it makes the Anthony black pick kind of, I said questionable because he's a really good player, but he's not known for his shooting and they could have added shooting right there. So and I know they ended up getting Jet Howard, who has just been in the G League, so that hasn't really affected much. And obviously, he's not a point guard either. So, seeing them go out this season and or this off season and get a point guard that is a better shooter is something that, like, I'd say is almost a guarantee at this point. So, whether that means that Fultz continues to stick around and is just coming off the bench, or if he is ends up with a different team where maybe they can utilize him better he fits in a little bit better i don't know exactly what that would look like but i just don't think it's a a very good fit yeah i agree i mean i think they're gonna let him walk in free agency i think they probably tried to do something at the deadline to to get some assets for him because obviously he's leaving with nothing but the fact that there wasn't probably much of a market for marco Fultz pretty much says what everyone's been saying is it's like he's Mm -hmm. just not a point guard. He's just not a starting point guard right now. Um, he's certainly not playing like it. Fantasy wise, I moved on a long time ago. I was also high on him. Um, it just sucks. But uh, yeah, I agree with Noah's point in the fact that like you need a scoring threat at, at point guard. And I think Cole Anthony makes a lot of sense coming off the bench. Like he's a great, he's a solid six man. But having somebody that can shoot and also facilitate is also really important. And I don't know that Anthony Black is going to be there yet. Like, I haven't seen much improvement mm-hmm. in his three-point shot. And, of course, the kids he's, he's a rookie. Like, he's got yeah. plenty of time to develop. But I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got a true point guard that can actually stretch the floor and keep defenses honest um, going into next season. But, yeah, Marco Falls isn't the answer. But I think he could be a really solid backup point guard for a contending team, just knowing what his limitations are. Because um, mm-hmm. you don't need to check him, you know, beyond the foul line pretty much. Yeah, I think uh- – I'm trying to sort of think, I guess, where he fits. I'm not sure where he fits, but someone like a Dennis Smith who's been able to, I wouldn't say rejuvenate his career, but he came into the league with some hype and and, um, really never established himself as a starting point guard. But he's found himself a pretty nice role as a 20, 22-minute backup point guard as a point guard that can't shoot threes. Um, So 
So I think there's still a role there for Fultz. It's just figuring out where that is and, and whether he's happy or content to play that backup role or in his mind he still sees himself as a starter and maybe he goes to, I don't know, somewhere like a San Antonio or a, a team that can sort of just roll him out there and see what happens. Um, anyway, yeah, anyway, it's uh, it, it'll be an interesting situation to monitor. Um, a few teams I just wanted to talk about who – streaming that that they've got i mean it's hard to know who to stream i'm going to start with uh, with uh memphis um knowing who to stream on any given night is almost impossible at this stage um i picked up jordan goodwin in a a league and then he just didn't play although i picked him up and then when i thought about it afterwards had his 10 day expired when for the the last game that they played because I know that he, it was on the twenty fourth, or no, maybe it was the twenty third, and he played for them on the fourteenth. So I, I was just looking at. I wasn't sure exactly when he signed his first ten day contract, and whether they actually couldn't play him in that last game. No one said anything about it, so I thought maybe this is just me going down some rabbit hole that doesn't exist. But was that the reason he didn't play in their last game? Because that he actually wasn't on the roster or did they just not play him for they didn't want to so he he signed the 10 day february 12th so i guess that would have expired february 22nd okay that's so maybe, actually don't right know. and then like he didn't day sign zero, again until what february 24th yeah and then he signed the two-way february 24th so maybe what? he just maybe that's why they didn't play him because he his 10 day had expired i don't know Anyway, hmm. long story short, are we picking up Jordan Goodwin? Because they've signed him again, and and he had started, as I said, and and he was he was interesting down the stretch last season in Washington. Is he someone that we should sort of be telling people to maybe go and add and and just see if he starts? Because they did drop or they released or whatever waived Jacob Gilliard, so. I think they want to see what Gordon can, what Goodwin can bring. Um, I don't know. I, I would tell people to go and grab him if you can take a bit of a risk. Yeah, I think it looks like just looking real quick that he, the game he didn't play was on the twenty third, so it was literally the day in between the end of the ten day and the signing of the two way. So that's probably exactly what it was. Was he wasn't actually like contractually mm. part of the team. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's fine to go at him because now that he's back on the contract, like uh, with the two way, I think they're eligible to play in fifty games. But since he just signed the two way, I don't think that that like fifty NBA games uh, and have to spend the rest of the time in the G League. So I don't think that that's really going to impact him. No. Um, just because I don't, I doubt that they include games before you sign the two way if you played for a different team on a different contract. So. All in all, I think, yeah, there's a good chance that he is a starter for them for the rest of the season or a good bit of the rest of the season because they seem to change their lineup like every game. Um, So, yeah, I'd have no problem adding him. I think this week is a good week to add any Grizzly. Um, And I say that because they play on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, which are are all the lighter slate. So um, I think you take a flyer on Goodwin. Hopefully the – the roster gymnastics don't come into play again. Um, I think for the minimum that he we have seen him, he has been really good. 
and the fact that they waived Jacob Gilliard was a pretty good sign that that that, that, that they like him. So, um, yeah, I, I think you roll with them at least to start the week, and by Wednesday, you at least get you got two games production worth of of um, of of Goodwin. And if he doesn't work out, then you cut him. So, yeah, I'd give him a look. Other than that, man, I was on Santiel Dama early. I, don't, I dropped him in all my spots just because like he's super frustrating. I think the only one, the only Grizzlies you can really trust right now are like. Vince Williams Jr., who's a stud, dude's a baller. Um, obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr., but I have worries about him being shut down later down the line. And then Gigi Jackson, I think his roster ship is down, but like, I wouldn't worry about a couple of bad games. The kid's 19 years old; he's going to be chucking, so like, he's going to have some inefficient games. But otherwise, like, he's a he's a good player that I think that they're going to continue to showcase down the stretch. So I, I wouldn't be afraid to pick him up. I feel better about him than I do probably Jordan Goodwin, unless. He actually starts the rest of the way, which I don't. The Grizzlies are like the Detroit Pistons and the Utah Jazz. Like they just throwing out all kinds of wild lineups at the end of the season here. And that was something that Taylor Jenkins had talked about, about Gigi Jackson kind of being a secondary playmaker recently. But over the next few weeks, they want him to be more of a primary playmaker. So Mm -hmm. just forcing him to develop because I think kind of the consensus idea around him is that he can't pass or refuses to pass. I mean, he's averaging – 0.8 0.8 assists per game this year. I remember that was an issue during summer league as well. And I don't know if it was an issue statistically at South Carolina, but I think that was kind of the idea was that he was a me first player. So if they're able to kind of put him in situations where he is forced to play make for others, just to force him to develop, I think that's good for him long-term and good for him in fantasy this season. For sure. And I actually think, like you said, he, he has had a couple of bad games, but, Given what we've seen from Memphis, I actually think having a couple of bad games is a good thing because if you have some, <laughs> if you play well, they tend to put you on the bench. So, yeah, a couple of bad games, they're going to go. Oh, you know, you need to be out there. So, um, yeah, I'd be okay. And, and and Mike Fiddles just asked here, did they convert Vince to a full time deal? He did. They they he signed mm-hmm. a two or three year deal or something, didn't he? Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah. I was pretty sure. Gigi's locked and locked and loaded for the rest of the season. Dude, he was kind of twenty percent usage since like since the first day he got on the on the floor. So yeah, just the opportunity alone, man. I feel like Gigi is definitely someone that they're trying to prioritize. Um, Yeah, I can trust trust in Gigi. Yeah, and and look, I think I mean everything. Obviously, that they've been unlucky with injuries, and 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 now they're really leaning into that hard, but. Next year is going to be interesting because they're going to get their guys back. They're going to get Smart, Bain, Morant. Um, well, yeah, not not Stephen Adams anymore. I thought he was a part of their future, but he's not. But <laughs> some of these guys like Vince Williams, um, Luke Kennard, potentially Jordan Goodwin, Gigi Jackson, they're, they're going to actually have some depth, which they haven't had. Um, so the, these players that have been forced to play a lot more than they would have had they been healthy um, could actually be a, a blessing in disguise when we look ahead because their window is still wide open for a, for a title um, because their core is very young. So uh, moving on from the Grizzlies, the Knicks still dealing with a couple of injuries. So OG and uh, Julius Randle are both out at, at least this week, I would say. I, I don't really think either of them will come back this week. Um Hartenstein came back a couple of games ago. Minutes were up in the last game, which was was good. 
Are we still holding on and just rolling out with Precious Achua? Uh, he's been good since coming across from Toronto. Dante DiVincenzo has uh, he's cooled off a little bit. Predictably, he was he was stupidly hot there for a while, where he was scoring thirty points a game. Um, but any big changes in New York that sort of this week, or, or we're just rolling with the same guys? Josh Hart as well would be on that list. Yeah, I don't think anything major or anybody to really add at this point that already hasn't been talked about. Yeah. Precious has been a beast. Um, And I don't know that I've written about it enough, but I feel like he's turned into a league winning type of guy. Just, I mean, we'll see when Julius Randall returns or whatever, but I mean, the amount of minutes that this guy is playing is ridiculous. (laughs) Like Tom Mm -hmm. Thibodeau just went all in at the deadline with this guy. I was like, yeah, just give me all of the precious at two minutes. Um, and the dude's been a double double machine, man. He didn't have one last game, but before that, he was he was on, and he gets the stocks too. Um, yeah, so I'm curious to see what happens to him. So that's that's probably a, a player I'd be interested in trying to move right now, um, mainly because I think Julius Randall. It sounds like Julius Randall is going to be returning within the next like couple of weeks, few weeks. Mm. I don't know that you're going to see Precious Achua or even Isaiah Hartenstein. Like I think that there's a legitimate chance that you know Mitchell Robinson could return at some point. Um, and he also has some has some Achilles issues. So um, I don't know. I, I've been kind of getting lukewarm. I, I loved Isaiah Hartenstein in the beginning of the season and, and obviously throughout um, his, his run as one of the better streamers. But, um, yeah, I feel like there's there could be a little log jam in the front court coming back soon. So I actually already just traded Isaiah Hartenstein. I traded him and Paul Reed in one league for Miles Turner and Jaron Jackson Jr., um, and I didn't want – I've been trying to trade Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't want him on my team. So i got to figure out another move there. But, like, I think that that was one of the times where I was like, you know what, let me just sell high on both of these guys because I don't really know what the future holds. Um, although Paul Reed's probably in a better situation than than Isaiah going forward. And That's then, a crazy uh, sell high. It, it is a crazy sell high. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Miles Turner had probably his best game in the last couple of months yesterday. That got lucky. I was uh, – that was not what I was banging on a 33 point Miles <laughs> Turner game. I was like, dude, just give me the four blocks. I'll be happy with that. Oh, yeah. Shit, you want to score yeah, 30. That, that works. Take the 30 points here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the final team before we just round up with these questions that are that are hanging in the chat there um, is Portland. So another team that's openly Yikes. tanking. Um, Scoot Henderson is, he remains out. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon had what? PCP injections or some sort of mm-hmm. injections, no timeline. We knew that, I mean, God, I think every analyst predicted this, uh, that Brogdon would be cut post-All-Star break. He'd basically be done. Don't even worry about him. Uh, are we going to see more of this? Like Anthony Simons is one of the obvious names that he's been in and out a bit throughout the season. Are we... Are we convinced that there's at some point he's just going to be benched? Um, and along with Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton, are we are we still sort of of that opinion that that these guys will be um, potentially drops at some point? And and if so, who are we watching in Portland? Like what names? Is it Duop Reith, uh, Delano Benton, Chris Murray? Um, any any sort of favourites there for you guys of? of players we want to be monitoring moving forward in Portland? I think it's like pretty much guaranteed that the final two or three weeks of the season they won't play and how early they start full-on tanking remains to be seen. But I think at least the last two or three weeks, it's going to be Scoot Henderson's show with no Simons, no Jeremy Grant, no DeAndre Ayton. 
Uh, Dwap Reith is a guy you mentioned. Uh, Tumani Kamara is another guy that I like. Uh, Jabari Walker has also already played well in stretches, and I don't think that they're going to go that far in benching him until maybe the last game or two, and then nobody's going to play. Um, but Jabari Walker, I think, is a very legitimate option. Uh, I don't know exactly how his numbers look recently, but at stretches earlier in the season, he was already providing standard league value. So I have to assume that the final month of the season, if he's in the starting lineup playing big minutes, that, yeah, he's going to be able to be more than worthy of a streaming option. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on Jabari Walker. I feel like by the end of the season, uh, Joop Reith is is definitely interesting, but I feel like Jabari Walker's shown more of a fantasy profile to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the double-double potential, he can shoot free throws really well, He's kind of trying to stretch the floor a little bit. Um, I think we could see him kind of emerge around the the, the fantasy playoff time frame. Um, Tumani Kamara also has me con- like interested, intrigued, um, just for the defensive stuff that he does and, and rebounding. Um, I think he could be like a 10 and eight kind of guy with a couple of stocks by the end of the season. But like, I, other than that, man, I'm wondering like what other guards, like, I feel like scoot, once he gets healthy, I feel like he's another guy that they would have no problem. Just letting him run it out, let him develop, let him be the true point guard. Chauncey Bill's already said he's going to be starting the rest of the season. So like Malcolm Brogdon, we're not really worried about him coming back. I feel like scoot's probably a person that I could buy low on while he's injured that could play that could pay dividends down the stretches because he's going to have so much usage and opportunity with probably most of the veterans sitting yeah scoots looked a lot better the last month three weeks whatever time frame we want to put on it so uh the adductor injuries i mean i don't know if anyone's written an, an article this year on adductor injuries but there seems to be more it's adductor injuries this year than lot. i've ever seen um i don't know if there's a, a reason for that but it's been yeah, interesting. So, but they're, they're tricky ones. Like it could be a week, it could be a month. They're, they're just, they're, they're tough to, to know uh, how long, but as you said, yeah, he's going to start. And, and Brogdon, I think he's done for the season now. He's probably already on vacation somewhere. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know where, trying to lay low and not be caught on social media, sitting on a beach somewhere. Um is, is the adductor, is that not just a groin injury or is it something different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's similar to a groin. I think technically it's different, but. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like that, that that injury didn't really exist until, I feel like they just called it a groin injury in the past and now it's just like everybody's got an adductor injury. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like my adductor is always injured at my age, so. <laughs> Uh, questions. Now, this was a good one. Where are we? Okay, and then I'm going to let you guys go. What are your thoughts about intentionally tanking as the first seed this week to influence the matchup for the first week of the playoffs? Can you pull um, it off? And you uh, execute it like effectively is the question. Yeah, well, That's so a hard I'm, thing assuming, to do. I'm assuming by the the thought process behind this question is you are potentially playing against a team that is sitting just outside the playoffs, but you would like them to get into the playoffs because it's a good matchup for you. So do you just bench guys? Um, I don't know. I, I'm i okay with it, I think. I don't know. Do you, what, would you guys be opposed to this if, if someone in your league openly tanked in the last week, the team that was sitting atop the standings to... To allow a team 
to scrape in with that bottom position or last position in the in the playoffs. Would you would you be okay with that if the commissioner allowed it, or if you were the commissioner, or would you make them like? Would you say no? You need to be playing your your guys. I think if it's like a league with friends, then everything's on the table. Like, go for it. Like, if, if you're gonna piss off your friends, it's one thing. But if you're doing this like a money league with people that you only know, like, like if you did it in like an FBI, like World Cup league, anything like that, like that's kind of unethical. I think the commissioner should kind of step in and say, Hey, don't do this. But if it's just friends, then I, you know, I think it's kind of something for you to decide, like kind of gauge your own personal friend group. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like I would be okay with it just because like, it's an interesting strategy. Like it may work. It may not. The other team still has to, you know, do what they need to do in order to prevent that six that sixth place team to get there. Um, so I think there's enough variables at stake that I'd be like, if you want to risk, you know, tanking for a week, go ahead. Maybe it'll work out for you. Maybe it won't. But I will remember it if that's the if that's how we're playing the league. Like, trust me, this is going to come back twofold in some in some sort of way. Like, I, I will not forget that. And the fantasy yeah, cool. basketball gods won't won't forget either. So no, they won't in either. Playoff time. Just when somebody on <laughs> your team gets injured or has to sit out a game, just just know that's exactly why. When load management hits you bad, I will not have any yes. feeling of remorse. <laughs> yeah, it's a really tough one. And I know in dynasty leagues there are rules in place to not. Right. Like that, you have right. to play. You can't just bench all of your main guys. It's different for every league, but um, yeah, it's it's not. You can't openly tank. So, but but that doesn't really exist in redraft leagues. And I don't know. Is this any different to um, just in, if you're looking on a smaller scale within a weekly matchup and benching a few players on the final day so that you can win turnovers? Right. And that's a strategy I do all the time. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Um, I was going to say. Tried it on me. I did. I did. If only you'd be watching your lineups. I was two or three weeks ago when you did it. I ended up winning by one turnover anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah, I I was just, I was trying to be sneaky. I was trying to, like, I didn't just drop all my players at the start of the day. I was dropping them just before tip-off. And hoping that Noah would be busy writing blues. Noah's just watching, like, what is this? What is these? What's this guy? I know yeah, right some of my plays just, had already started. I was like, man, I see what he's doing. I have to just bench the rest, and it ended up just working out exactly right. So, uh, yeah, it's the basketball it was, gods. Uh, That's the basketball yeah. gods. They told me. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Look, I'm uh, again. It's it's a strategy. Like fantasy is all about strategy, and it is. and um finding i don't know if you'd call this a loophole but finding ways to win and and if that's if it means getting an easier playoff matchup in round 1 or something like that then yeah look I'm okay but as you said other teams and and fantasy gods will remember when you do things like that so just be prepared um final question what's the best way in determining if a player is a 10 team or a 12 team do we purely look at rankings um I don't know. I think this is a bit of a subjective question because I think everyone has a different view on who is a standard league player, who is a 12-team guy, who is a 10-team guy. And it also depends on how big your rosters are, um, how many waiver wire pickups you have for the week. So so there's a lot to factor in. And so I know whenever I'm saying this, it, it's 
I go with a bit of a, I think my gut determines a lot for me because it's not necessarily rankings because there might be a player like, um, if I know if we remember back last year, um, Trey Murphy was ridiculously high. DeLon Wright was a top 70 player or something last season. But I would. There's no way I'd say he's a must roster in ten team leagues, despite the fact that he's. If you look at pure ranking, he is, um, because rankings are skewed, obviously, by those lower volume categories like blocks and steals. So, I mean, is there a method or anything that that either of you use when determining who is, who is, a ten team guy or a twelve team guy? I think it's a lot of what you said. Um... There's a lot at stake there, you know, how big your roster size is, the amount of waiver transactions you have. <laughs> I think the, uh, the probably the best rule of thumb is just look at the production and how several players will affect your team, right? If you're light on blocks and steals, you may not need the guy that's dropping 25 points a game. I mean, I'd still probably pick up that guy, but um, just look at the the, the production and, and look at it relative to your, your opponent too. Where can you gain an advantage on your opponent by picking up certain players? Like not all must roster guys in 12 team leagues need to be owned in 10 teams. Right. Um, mm. So yeah, you just got to look at the waivers and see what's out there, what's best for your team and, and then make your determination. Rankings kind of matter, but like, not really. Like I have to say just more so if you're trying to win the week, win the week, get the player that's going to help you do that. Yeah. I think it, I mean, when I say like in blurbs or columns or even on podcasts, whatever, like, oh, it's a 12 team guy, or this is like a, a 10 team guy or a deep league guy, like it's just a generalization. So it's impossible for that to apply to every single league. Like I posted about uh, like dynasty trades and somebody commented and said, yeah, so this is my 20 team 13 cat league. And I'm like, <laughs> like, great. Like I, when I'm looking at the individual leagues, yeah, he added Jesus. in uh, field goals made, free throws made, threes made, and then separated offensive rebounds, or excuse me, three point percentage, separated offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds. Wow. So it's like, you can look at that and like actually make a pretty good like analysis because you have the information in front of you, but that won't apply to every single league. So it's just generalizations. If sometimes like I'll say, oh, like this is a guy that should be rostered in standard leagues. And if somebody like DMs me or tweets at me and says, oh, like, who should I pick up off the waiver wire and show me the guys available? I'm like, well, heck no, I'm not going to pick that guy up. Cause these four guys are sitting right here. They're significantly right. better. Why are they on your waiver wire kind of thing? So just entirely depends on league. So they're generalizations. So it's, it's, it's difficult for that to apply everywhere. Yeah. And it is a lot of generalizing because there are so yeah. many league settings and, and different leagues out there. And um, I know for me, I tend to, I guess a soft rule that I might use is if if I've got a guy, um, I'll use um, Derek Lively as an example. Um, if, I, if I have Derek Lively and I'm considering dropping him, my first thought is, well, if, if I was in, if I'm if the, in this league, someone else had him and dropped him, am I running to grab him? Mm -hmm. Am I prioritizing him? Am I using? And if, if the answer is no, then I would be okay with dropping him and thinking, okay, he's probably not a must roster guy in this league. Um, someone might want him. Someone might, he might be dropped and they might go, look, I really just need one and a half blocks and six rebounds per night. So, but not everyone. It's not like there's going to be a bidding war for Derek Lively at the moment. So that could be a rule that, that I sort of use is, is just, is everyone going to be targeting them? And, and if not, then I'm okay dropping them. Um, I'm going to let you boys go. Uh, thank you, Dan, for finding some time. It was 
I know I messaged you before I went to bed and then I got up at 2 a.m. and you still hadn't messaged back and then I thought, oh, maybe he's not coming on and then I woke up and you and I hadn't said whether it was 3 p.m. Eastern or not. <laughs> I forget <laughs> to do that sometimes. Um, but yeah, we, I don't make it easy for you on the West Coast, man. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, no look, it, it's, <laughs> and it, it's fine. So I'm glad you were able to jump on. Um, what's what's coming up? I mean, Yahoo, you're obviously writing all of your stuff. You've got your Roto World show with uh, with Raf and Vaughn. Um, what's the plan for the the next couple of weeks heading into the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, I think now is all eyes are on the the trade deadline. Um, so there's probably going to be a lot of content coming out around like buy sell, so you should trade. Um, looking forward to the playoffs. That's that's less than a month away. Um, so I think this is the the nitty gritty. You know why we why we 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 spend our uh, our long days and nights thinking about fantasy basketball. It's for times like this. So um, yeah, man, this is an exciting part of the season, and uh, really excited for it. Except for everything other than industry pickup, because that's just. <laughs> That's just not. That's just not. That's not my league. Not, <laughs> I'm gonna be way better next year, man. I can't wait. Like I'm, I'm already. Season, always the fantasy season. gods got me, man. They got me. I know. I know they do. Uh, and Noah, what, what's on your radar for the next couple of weeks? Just uh, sticking with those Q and As on Tuesdays, and uh, this week's episode of Tank Me Later. I'm gonna just analyze dynasty trades that people have sent me. I'm gonna take some from the leagues I'm in because it seems like a lot of the deadlines are either already happened or kind of happening over these last few slash next few days. So just analyzing trades for a podcast, that'll be fun. But then that's just blurbs. I'm sure I'll do some pickup of the day columns after uh, recapping some games. So be on the lookout for those. All right. Thank you both. Uh, I will. Yes. I'll be on with you tomorrow. I assume. No, doing yes. the, the Q and a, the Roto world Q and a, um, Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, FBIBasketball.com is, is our website. I am at AdamKing91, at NoahRubin22, at Dan Titus. Follow all of us uh, along with all of the other great analysts that I have on my show and, and come on our shows. And, and uh, I'll probably send out another tweet at some point tagging all of them. Um, I like to do that a couple of times a year um, because we're always getting new people coming into fantasy. So, um, yeah, be sure to, to keep an eye out for that. Love it if you could give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, I've, I've been talking to B-Dub about content over the next few months, I suppose, thinking beyond the redraft season. And obviously, we've got a lot of Dynasty stuff uh, at FBI as well with Noah and Matt Lawson. Um, but we'll actually be ramping up our redraft content. Um, feel like it's a good time when there's not as much content around. So uh, I did the analyst interviews on probably did both mm -hmm. of you guys when I did that, didn't I, last year? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll probably do some more of those. I've got some people lined up um, to, to record some more of those, and you can go back and check out all the ones we did before this season. I will let you go now. I have to go and log on to work. Until next time, catch up. <laughs> you just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.